0: verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace. They will add to you. Sounds like a pretty good deal. When, um, when we hear um, a weather forecast that's a little seasonal, and maybe um, for me, I wait every year to hear this, when they say, hey, um, you better be ready because it's going to snow. I mean, I kind of, my radar turns on, my ears, you know, I, I, I light up inside, and I'm thinking, wait, 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 turn that up, I want to hear that again, and after I've heard it, I want to change the channel and hear it again on another one and, and um, check it out, and, and I, I, I talk to other people, did you hear it's going to snow, and, you know, I'm just a little bit crazy. Some of you are going, oh, it's going to snow, it's terrible, but I like the snow. I like it when there's going to be lightning. I don't know why, but, you know, if it's lightning, I want to go out and watch the show, and I mean, if it happens in the middle of the night, I even like it better, because all of a sudden, somebody's cuddling, and... Um, <laughs> And there's just something in us when we hear um, something about a storm coming that we like to um, hear about the details, and um, we talk to friends and families and other people who want to make sure we're, we're prepared for it. And um, the risk, though, is that if we only hear the beginning part of the forecast, it can kind of be discouraging. I mean, I, I, I know that if it's going to snow, it's not going to last forever, that eventually the sun will shine, right? Right. You know that. So, so it's good to know that the forecast is just for a season and, um, and that there's good news coming at the other end. So that's kind of, a, 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 I wanted to say that to you to get you thinking this way about the message today. Because the message today is actually going to be in two parts. It's going to be today and next weekend. And if you stop halfway through My concern is that you'll stop at a level of discouragement, and I don't want you to do that, because I think this is going to take two weeks. We're going to actually be looking at a passage of Scripture, um, and I'm going to teach through that passage from beginning to end, and and it's almost completely in red ink in my Bible. It's just something that Jesus was saying. And um, and because of the material, it's going to take time to get through it. So I'm asking you, don't just stop after one go. I am not going back until... I mean, you, you'll, you'll feel better if you get through both of these, okay? So I'm asking you to stick through this. Um, when Jesus ascended into heaven a couple thousand years ago, he set in motion a timeline, and before he left, he described the signs of the times of when he would return. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk for the next couple of weeks about um, signs that signal... The last days of human history on the earth, as we know it. But you know, unlike all of the disaster movies that you maybe like to watch, this is not about calamity. It's, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's about hope. And it's about, um, you know, as we wait and as we pray uh, for the return of our Savior, what we're going to see. And, and, and my, our text is going to be in Mark chapter 13. I mean, if you look at the pace of world events that are going on out there, it's staggering what's going on right now. It's, it's, um, you know, You see the resurgence of Russia as a world power, their strength, growing as they've announced all of these partnerships now in the Middle East and um, Syrian, the Syrian refugee crisis is is getting crazier and we it comes and goes in the news cycles. I think it comes and goes in the news cycles according to what we can consume but what's going on is gathering momentum and the problem is getting bigger and um, there are ISIS, there's more and more things that are going, the, the acts of ISIS are continuing, and, and Christians are giving up their lives, and it's showing up not just on the web now, but on in, in TV networks. And at the same time that's going on, there is a significant, I think, moral collapse going on in the United States of America. And it's at, it's at a place where there seemingly is, is the inability of any leader in our country to stand up and say, wait a second, and uh, to voice any objection to it. So in this series, as we talk about the signs of the end times, I want to be very careful. I'm trying to take a very, very balanced approach because I don't want to and I will not be this crazy, you know, faithless you know, emphasis on all these, these things that you see and hear sometimes where um, somebody will stand in a pulpit and they'll prey on people's fears and, and fear-mongering and um, date-setting of which I won't do and nobody should do. In fact, the scripture tells us don't do it. Footnote. Anytime you ever hear any Christian leader say, here's when he's coming back, you know two things. That's not when he's coming back and to stop listening to that leader (laughs) because they're so clearly in violation of scripture. I'm I'm not going there. I don't want to go to that end, but neither do I want to go to the other end of of the spectrum and deny and avoid the prophetic um, scriptures that are in there. In fact, about 25% of this entire book is prophetic. About 25%. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's 25% of this book is God going out of his way to demonstrate his supernatural um, uh, nature, to talk about things that he can't, that the writers could not have known about, about apart from supernatural intervention, to, to verify um, the word of God itself. And so... Um, things are you know things that are that that came out of the mouth of our Messiah two thousand years ago, that are showing up in the in the newspaper and on websites not once a year, not once a month, not even once a week, but multiple times a week. Um, it's it's crazy. It's happening right before our eyes. So 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 the the, I, the words of Jesus and this is in Mark chapter thirteen, a couple of verses. I'll toss it on the wall for you, um, verse twenty three. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. Verse 26, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Verse 32, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed and watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. So then in this passage, um, Jesus gives us a bunch of signs, I think 10, uh, um, to watch for in the last phase of, of human history. So we're going to do that over the next couple of weeks. So we'll just launch right into the word. This is in Mark chapter 13. I'll start in verse 1. And Jesus had been teaching in the temple when this this started. So, So verse 1, then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Now, the building, he's talking about how beautiful the building is. The building was probably pretty special, as you maybe can guess. It was built out of mostly Jerusalem stone. It's a, it's a, it's a yellowish stone, and it's, it's beautiful. And parts of the temple were actually inlaid with gold. Um, and, and so there was places where the surface wasn't just the stone, but there's places where the surface was actually gold layered. And so it was probably something to see. And these guys are going, you know, they're saying, Hey, isn't our church beautiful? I mean, they're, they had pride in their church building, okay? I mean, nothing wrong with that, but I mean, they're going, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is really great. And um, so Jesus Christ, you know, the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, Jesus Christ, here's this comment, and he answers to them, and he says, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. <laughs> wow, Debbie Downer! <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're the Messiah, and you're telling us something. Okay, that just, what's going on here? And I, I love how Jesus prophesies here. I mean, he's not being Debbie Downer. I shouldn't say that. Forgive me for that, but, but I mean, they're probably going, wait a minute, wait, whoa, 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 where'd that come from? And I, I love what he's doing. He's prophesying, and, and you and I have the wonderful benefit of standing here today in 2016 and looking backwards, and we can read what historians have said have happened there. Not what the Bible says, but what historians, unsaved people, have written and said historically happened. And um, um, the fact that Jesus prophesied about something that was going to happen in advance and have it so perfectly correct is verifying... His scriptural authority verifies to some degree who he is. And if you read history, you'll, you'll, you can read about a guy named Titus Vespasian, who was a commander over a Roman legion, several legions. Um, and um, they were moving away from areas in, around Egypt and on their way up through the, the Holy Land, what we call the Holy Land. And they were not happy to have to leave, and they, uh, they attacked the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and they actually leveled the city. I think 80,000 people lost their lives. But part of the process was as they were tearing a place, the place apart, somebody lit the temple on fire. The building burned. Well, some of the commanders were upset about that because there were all of these gold instruments of worship in the building. What are you thinking? I want every ounce of that gold. And once that fire died down, they were commanded by their, their commanders. You go in there and I don't care what it takes. You take that building apart. And they ended up literally removing that building stone by stone to find every bit of melted down gold and not leave anything behind. The words of Jesus, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. He said this decades before it actually happened. And today, the Temple Mount area, an area of about 37 acres, is probably the most sacred territory on the surface of the earth. Three large world religions uh, focus their source from those, that spot, Islam, Ju- Judaism, and, of course, Christianity. And, uh, and, and today, it's, of course, fraught with tension. There's all kinds of problems there. Um, let's continue. Mark 3, th- 13, verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately. So now it's a small group. They say to him, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are fulfilled? And Jesus answered them and began to say, okay, so now we're, we're back into red letters on my, my Bible. Um, these are, this is Jesus talking, take heed that no one deceives you. He starts out with that. Take heed that no one deceives you. Interesting that he starts that out right there. For many will come in my name saying, I'm he and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Beginnings of sorrows. Now I know some of you, if you've been in the body of Christ for a significant length of time, you've, you, know, you hear this kind of a message you say, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I heard about some guy in the fifties, and he set a date and said Jesus is going to come back, and everybody wrote letters and did all these things, and then it didn't happen, and then it happened again in the eighties, and it's happened, it's happened multiple times. I mean, I hear about it on the news, and I think, okay, why do people listen? They don't know the Word of God, is why they listen. But why do they listen? And um, so I get the, I get the skepticism. I understand that I'm skeptical anytime I hear that. But I want to ask a question: How many of you have ever had a baby? The guys get to count if you've been a part of the process. Okay. Okay. Or and and maybe or maybe you've been to a delivery process where, you know, the baby is being you know, okay. So have you ever heard of a time where someone said, Okay, let's go, honey. Let's go. Get the bag, let's go and so you get to the hospital and they do their thing and they take their measurements and they say, Yeah, you're having a baby, but not yet, go back home. Ever heard of that, that happening? And you go back home and, you know, it's like, but wait a second. I felt like this was the time and the class said now. And no, no, just, I know, honey, just go on home. Go back. It's not the time. And so, you know, there can be false alarms about a childbirth for days or, in some cases, even a week or two, right? You, you, you nod your heads. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I mean, okay. So then something changes in that process. And it gets more intense and um and, and, and you wanna push, but it's not time yet. And it's getting a little more uncomfortable. Um, but it's not as painful maybe as it's gonna get. I I don't know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard. Okay, so and over time you wanna push more and more, but it's it's you know, the pain's growing, it's not there and and, and then at the very end is when the discomfort becomes the most intense. And at that point, maybe all of the pain that had gone on before didn't really feel like... I'm not trying to talk women out of having babies, by the way. <laughs> but that same passage, translated in another, uh, another translation, helps out. And this is the New Living Translation, so it's a paraphrase, but it's correct. It says, but this is only the first of the birth pains... God uses birth pains as an analogy with more to come. The Holy Spirit is telling us here in the pages of Scripture that the signs of the times that we're going to talk about today are like birth pains. They're like birth pains. And all I can say to you about this church is that it has never hurt like this before on the face of the earth. I'm going to describe some things. You know, I mean, and and, and so. You know, you could say, well, yeah, I've heard these things. And say, well, what if Christ doesn't come back for 50 years or 100 years? I said, I don't know, but I really don't believe I'm wrong to look at this and talk to your church about this so that you're looking at it and thinking about it too. I just really feel like the earth has never hurt like this before. So th- today uh, we're going to go through the signs of the time. The first of the, of the signs that, that Jesus gives us is this. Number one is religious deception. In verses 5 and 6. And I could share lots of examples of this. And I'm going to walk especially carefully over the next few minutes. It's not that I don't ever stop walking carefully. But um, I'm doing something that I just, I'm just so careful not to do. I, so I'm going to do this very carefully. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. But um, I mean, as, as, a, as a pastor and as a man, I try to make it my philosophy in life to be for things and not against things. Might sound like fine hair splitting, but I mean, I especially try to be careful not to make judgmental, um, pejorative, or negative statements about other Christian leaders. Especially, you won't hear that from me. I I feel like it's my responsibility to stand and 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 you know measure other leaders on a one to ten, because frankly, I don't want to be measured that way. And uh, the Lord taught me that one time, and it just I I I don't I do not want to go to that woodshed ever again. You know, so. I mean, And I think we have to be very, very careful as sons and daughters that um, we don't in any way tear down the very bride that Christ died to give birth to. And when we talk about the body of Christ in, in, in a pejorative way, we've got to be very careful that we're not doing that. And, and in fact, I, I, there's a good reason for it. There's a, there's a scripture, a promise from God that I stand on, and you probably do too, from Isaiah 54. It says this. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's the part everybody knows. Read the rest of the verse. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. There God says, this is the heritage. You and I get to be a part of this. If you're a servant of the Lord, you get to stand on this promise. So I'm thinking, okay. Um, and, and, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So, I mean, I... I, I'm thinking. Listen, when I use this tongue to say something disparaging about some Christian, this has now become a weapon formed against them. And God has said, "I have cursed it myself. It can't prosper." And I'd like my tongue to prosper. <laughs> it's hooked up to other things. I mean, that I want. I'm, I mean, just I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to put this kind of curse and judgment on myself. I don't want you to put it on yourselves. So now I'm, that's, why, that's my prefacing, walk carefully here. Okay, so I'm going to walk very, very carefully, but I'm going to give you some examples of religious deception that are going on in our world. And I'm not going to nitpick with you over little issues of peripheral spiritual issues or issues of style or preference. That's not what I want to talk about. Um, there was a Latin, um, it was written in Latin first in the 1600s by some, probably a, a Catholic bishop, or something. I don't know, but... The translation from the latin into english you may have heard this it says it says in essentials unity in non-essentials liberty but in everything charity and that's the heart with which i want to proceed here and um so i'm i'm going to talk a little bit about some statements that have come from the vatican from the pope and um, i want to preface this by telling you this i have friends who are catholics who love jesus they're absolutely saved I also have friends who are Catholics who do not know God, and they think they're saved because they mark things off on a checklist. That's the danger, okay? And it's not that I'm right. I just believe the Word of God says what the Word of God says. Okay, so, um, and I I know that there are probably people sitting in this room who have come to a relationship with Christ while you were in the Catholic Church, and I'm I'm just grateful that you're there. Um, I believe the Catholic Church teaches Christ, um, and but I also know that when I mention it to some people, it's like me saying something about your mama. <laughs> what did you say? You know, kind of. That. And I'm I'm trying not to do that. So with the appropriate level of sensitivity and fear and trembling, not to cross my God. Okay. Um, I also want to not fail to bring a needed warning. Okay. Because Jesus said. Watch out for religious deception. So uh, I I was reading an article by a guy named um, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Maybe you've seen him before, but it was an editorial comment. He's a Catholic, and he's a Catholic man making this statement, and that's why this was so notable. This came up in the fall. He said, um, this is a quote, "Um, the Pope has seriously disappointed those who believe the Roman Catholic Church preserves and teaches the truth. Now, for those who believe that now, I personally am not sure that that's what's going on in the Catholic Church. But but he goes on to say, "Here's what Napolitano says: The truth is Christ risen and unity with Him. Well done." He goes on, "It is not a debate about the minimum wage or air conditioning." Now I I, I don't want to s- settle this issue. I mean, if you know if you've been following the the, the news that he was making comments about a dialogue, a speech that was given, and I think the Pope has has leveraged his, he's got a global voice, and he's, he's leveraged a lot of issues, and that's fine. Um, and I'm not here to talk to you about air conditioning, and I'm not here to talk to you about um, his feelings about redistributing wealth via Marxism. He's a Marxist and those kinds of things, um, or how he's made divorce easier. That's not where I want to go. Here's, here's the primary issue that I have with Pro- Pope Francis. He is absolutely blurring the lines and the distinctions between um, the world religion now, you can look these things up and find the examples of these. Um, there are reports, photographs, and recordings. You can get them from the Vatican City. They, they publish what he does and where he goes and what he says. So this is not put out by some hate group. In the last um, couple of years, you can find pictures of him praying with Muslims in the Vatican City, him reading the Koran together with them. In one instance, he was in a, um, a mosque in the Middle East somewhere, and as he prayed with the imams, he bowed his head and pointed towards Mecca. He's been heard to be given to, to have given um, a blessing which essentially is translated "The blessings of Allah upon you things that that a Christian leader has no business saying I, I, okay, but that 's not what I want to to leave you with. Um, he's just erasing and blurring some of the distinctions between what the Word of God says and other um, satanic world religions. I'm going to read to you just a short excerpt from one of his homilies in May of 2013. A homily is, a, is, a, is like a sermon. And he regularly gives these homilies, on, typically on Wednesdays. And this, this, what I'm reading to you, it was, it was translated, and this came from the Vatican. Okay? All right, so these are the words of the Pope. The Lord created us in his image and likeness, and we are the image of the Lord, and he does good, and all of us have this commandment at heart, do good and do not do evil. All of us. Then in his homily, he imagines a conversation between him and a Catholic. But Father, this is not Catholic. He cannot do good. The Pope answers, yes, he can. The Lord has redeemed all of us, all of us with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just Catholics, everyone. Father, the atheists, Even the atheists, everyone. We must meet one another doing good. And now the Pope imagines that conversation shifting and now it's with an atheist. These are the words of the Pope. But I don't believe, Father, I'm an atheist. Answer. But do good. We will meet one another there. Referencing heaven. This teaching, that atheists will go to heaven by doing good, is a staggering departure from what in many ways is an already aberrant form of Christianity. And, and I would ask you in the context of Jesus saying, don't be deceived. It's a sign of the end days. I would ask you to prayerfully consider if, if that teaching by a man of that significance doesn't cause you in your soul, a really significant problem. If, 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 if your heart doesn't long for lost people to actually be hearing about Christ instead of those kinds of things, if, if Muslims and, and atheists and everyone simply by doing good can go to heaven, then why did Christ need to die on a cross? Why do we have a need for atonement? I mean, Christ on the cross is the central tenet of what we believe the Word of God teaches. And, you know, it's, it's really not up for debate. It's really can't be slid aside by somebody who, who really maybe is seeking after some form of world popularity. And I, I hear these things, and I, when I hear these kinds of things, I, I remember a couple of things, and I'll say this to you, because I want you to think this way. Remember who the enemy is here. Remember who the enemy is. It'll help you to remember who the enemy is not. The enemy is not the Pope. We have an enemy who roars, roams about seeking whom he may devour. But, but when I hear those things, I can't help but, but connecting in my mind the dots. And um, some people who are not maybe as familiar with the word of God may not connect the same dots I do, but I, my dots connect in Revelation 17, where there's references to words that I don't want to say right now because they would sound inflammatory. But this description I just gave you seems to fit into that passage. If you're a student of the Word, you might want to look that up later, not now. Okay, Stick with me on this for now. And and one thing about, um, as you read through the Revelation, you, you look about the things and you study the last days, you're going to find that... Um, You know, one world religion is a central tenet that's going to be pressed forward in the last days. It's just going to happen. If you told me five or ten years ago that a significant leader of a world Christian movement would stand up and say that Muslims are going to go to heaven reading the Quran and that atheists who do good are going to be there, you know, no, that's basically universalism. That's what that is. Universalism teaches that basically everybody is going to be saved. And and Jesus addressed that. He talked about that in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 15. He said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that lead to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find that. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Signs indicating the last days. Of human history. number two, um, escalating wars and increased human suffering. Escalating wars. You know, the Syrian refugee crisis is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, there's people just hemorrhaging out of the Middle East, and and there's chaos in Central Africa with despotic rulers and roving gangs, and you know, beatings and murders and rapes and things. Verse verse seven. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, it's, it goes on to say, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Notice that God tells us there, Jesus says, don't be troubled. I mean, it might be good for you to, you know, pay attention to what is the Lord's desired response of us as we read these things. Let no one deceive you. Do not be troubled. Be on your guard. Good, good advice. And, you know, this, this issue of wars and rumors of wars. Um, okay, I, I was talking about this with someone recently. He said, yeah, but, you know, there have been wars. Yeah, you look back in history, wars go way back. Here's a couple of facts. In the last hundred years, in the last hundred years, on our earth, 180 million people have died as a result of combat. Now, that last hundred years worth is more than all of the rest of history added together. That's an increase. Would you agree? Okay, okay, so I mean, I don't mean to be snide, but I'm saying it's obvious that um, that's an escalating sign of the times. And if you know your scriptures, um, End Days particularly, you, you know that the, there's, there's a power that comes from the north that a lot of, of scholars believe is Russia, and you know um, they seem to figure pretty prominently in End Days prophecy. And if just 10 years ago, this didn't make sense because the Soviet Union had collapsed, and now here we are again, and Russia has a, this huge resurgent that's underway, bringing them back to the forefront. And Jesus said, earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. We live in a severely broken planet. This planet is broken. I mean, 11 years ago um, that was when that huge tsunami hit in, uh, off the coast of, of, of India. It's called the Indian Ocean earthquake. Um, it, and it was a pretty big deal. I mean, there were waves in some places that hit the ground that were 30, 100 feet tall. A hundred feet tall it 's not like a hundred feet comes over and splashes down that 's a hundred foot tall wave that maybe is a column of, of water two hundred miles long out to sea, shoving up on the earth. It just doesn't come up a splash and stop. They go inland for miles <laughs> I, you know the, you've probably seen those videos of houses floating up streets up hills It's crazy things, and we saw something similar to that happen in Japan recently and and this one um, in the Indian Ocean that stats on it one of the deadliest natural disasters, it killed 230,000 people. 1.7 million people were displaced. It was a a 9.1 magnitude earthquake, one of the largest ever recorded, and it did set a record for the fault, how long it was shaking, for how long it continued. The longest one ever observed, it was between 8 and 10 minutes, depending how you measured it. That is huge. The amount of power released, uh, 475,000 kilotons. That's the same as 23,000 Hiroshima bombs. (laughs) <laughs> and the earth actually wobbled on its axis. Quite an earthquake. And the thing was, that earthquake happened. It was five and a half miles below the surface somewhere, and people up on the surface had no idea that the earth was shaking underneath them. I mean, eventually, we all knew about it. We, we, we just live on a broken planet. It's fractured and it's damaged. And, you know, before, before the fall, before Adam Man was assigned to rule the earth. You know, we, we, we were, it was a wonderful place, uh, Genesis 1. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then after the fall, after sin entered the world, uh, things drastically changed. Sin entered the picture through mankind's rebellion and it altered everything. It altered, you know, man's relationship with God. This, this Holy, perfect, and righteous God um, cannot exist in the same place with imperfect, fallen unrighteousness, and it alters man's dominion and rulership over creation. Now things attack us that would never have attacked us before. We face all kinds of challenges on this earth because it's broken. When sin entered in, um, from sickness to in 35 years that ended, I mean, I'm doing this study and I'm seeing things, I'm thinking, what, really? Um, you know, in, in 35 years that happened at the turn of the century, turn of the last century, according to the records kept by, by um, <laughs> Great Britain, 34,000 people were killed by tigers in India. 34,000 people killed by tigers. I don't know why I got that stat, but that's the one that left out. And he said, Really? That's crazy. And sin, when sin entered and broke the earth, it altered man's life with our health and biological order when we were originally created by the lord there wasn't intended to be an end there wasn't going to be sickness and death and sorrow and you and i were things were going to work 100 <laughs> percent of us was going to work 100 of the time As sin entered entered through man's rebellion that trajectory that we were on ceased to exist and the whole planet everything and everyone came under the curse of this brokenness Here's how the Bible describes it in Romans chapter 8. For the creation was subjected to futility. Those are big words. The creation was subjected to futility. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, there it is again, together until now. That's why every once in a while, your feet shake. I mean, that's why every once in a while the planet convulses and it begins to shake because man lays on it a little more weight of sin and a little more weight of sin, and it's kind of like I, I I believe it's kind of like the last straws that get on the camel's back, and I think you know the play it gets to the place where it just cannot carry any more weight, and it finally begins to react, and we experience all kinds of cataclysm and things that we got to deal with. And when man sinned, the, the earth became subject to what sin does. Sin breaks things. And it's obvious these signs are all around us. And, and you don't have to be a prophecy expert. And you don't have to be a Bible um, scholar to see that the earth is convulsing. No one knows the hour and no one knows the day. Okay, so religious deception, number two, escalating wars and increased human suffering. And then number three, believers forced to identify themselves. Believers forced to identify themselves. Jesus says that that's gonna be a sign. um, Verse nine, but watch out for yourselves for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you, and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak, but whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. That's good news. God's going to be with us when crisis like that comes over. And this is going on right now. I mean, it may not be happening on your street. It is happening in places around the world. Um, in Arabic, um, they have a letter called Noon. And um, it's, it's, um, this is the letter uh, called Noon. And um, it's a symbol as well. And um, it's, it's used commonly in Arabic countries, Islamic countries, as a pejorative term, um, Nasrani. So it's like um, you're a Nasrani if you follow the Nazrite. In other words, if you're a Christian. So this is a symbol that um, if this was, was how you were identified, it's a pejorative. It's, it's a negative thing to say against you because you follow Jesus Christ. And what you're seeing now is this symbol now being painted on the fronts of houses. And it's common now in some of these places. And there is no legal restraint. And what's happening in some cities is gangs roving at nighttime. See this mark? on I mean, It's not a smiley face. And they roam and um, they see that mark on a house and no one will stop them if they want to go ahead and go on in there and torture and rape and kill or whatever they want to do and it's going on today and um, this is not nearly as far away from us as it once seemed I mean it wasn't that long ago that students were being shot after they identified themselves as Christians in a community college not very far from here okay the next sign four betrayal by former believers I want to keep going here because I want to get past this and get to communion and a little more worship is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah, hurry up, Terry, okay. So, okay, number four, betrayal by former believers. Verse uh, 12, now a brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And you're going to hear things like, It's going to start out gentle. It's going to start out like not too big a deal. You're going to hear things like, you know, you can't live here anymore if you're going to believe that way. You you know, that Jesus stuff is too extreme. Find yourself another place. We don't want that here. Um, Here's another example. This one kind of bugs me, so this is the one I picked. But um, in this last football season, last, you know, football season, high school football in particular, there was an assistant coach up Bremerton Way who made the national news. He's still in the national news. His name is Joe Kennedy. He was, uh, I think, the head coach of the, of the JV and an assistant on the, on the um, varsity team at Bremerton High School. I think Bremerton. And uh, so here's an excerpt from the Associated Press. I'm reading from the news report. which was This was national news. Kennedy has prayed before and after games since 2008, but was only asked to stop recently after the practice came to the district's attention. Bremerton's game against Squim, which I know how to say, but the guys on the national news had no idea. It was kind of fun to watch him. <laughs> Sequium. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Bremerton's game against Squim was also attended by members of the Satanic Temple of Seattle, clad in black robes. Bremerton High School's senior class president, it gives his name, I'm not going to read it to you, but he was a Christian. Bremerton High School's senior class president said he was among those who invited the Satanists. Yeah. The main reason I quote. The main reason I did it is to portray to the school district that I think we should either have a policy that we are not going to have any religious affirmation or public religious practices, or they should say people are going to be allowed to practice their religion publicly, whatever their belief is. The 17-year-old told the Associated Press. Uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed on this particular case, um, he has been suspended. I think without or with pay. Um, so he wasn't able to coach the teams. And um, and, and now he, uh, in the middle of December, the Liberty Institute has filed a complaint with the EEOC. And here's their statement. All we're asking is for Coach Kennedy to be allowed to pray silently for 30 seconds at the 50-yard line after the game. We are committed to defending his rights to private religious expression. No one should be suspended from their job over a moment of silence. Now, you can look into this if you want, and you can hash out the legal issues and get an opinion about it. I'm just saying... This is a sign of the times. This would have been unthinkable 10, 20, 30 years ago. But it's now the sign of the times. I have, have at a distance been associated with some high school sports programs. I'm not a coach or anything like that, but I've watched up close and I am friends with coaches and I see them. And, um, and particularly the last several years, I was associated with a, with a local high school baseball team. And I would watch them go through their, their, their warm-up and practice f- just before the game, but before the game started. And I watched the team go off in the corner somewhere and the, the players themselves pray. It's a good thing. As long as it's initiated by them and they're doing their own thing, it seems fine. But if any of the coaches or the adults are involved or would want to participate, that's a bad deal. There's so much... We can't go there. We can't go there. That, um, those. There's just signs of the times. I don't know whether you believe that's how it should be or not. I'm not making that case. I'm just telling you it's the signs of the times. I used to sing the song, um, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Am I the only one? I probably am the only one that ever sang that corny song. But do you remember? You know, this little light. I'm not going to sing it. Um, but it. But it got to another verse that said, Hide it under a bushel. No. oh you're all outed okay that's really good (laughs) hide it under a bushel no and that's where you shout no but the truth is that's changing those days seem to be receding away from us faster than we realize and I I believe this is my opinion but I believe that Christian leaders who want to make Christianity easier are going to find empty churches they're going to find their churches empty I'm not saying I want to make it harder for you. I'm just saying to you, I think that, you know, the Spirit of God does not animate ritual Christianity. The Spirit of God, you know, is not in favor of Jesus exists to increase my portfolio Christianity. The Spirit of God does not animate Jesus is my life coach Christianity. (laughs) And my comment to you is, please, church, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. But the good news here, this is Jesus' words, verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. The message translation, I always read lots of different versions as I'm I'm studying. The message says it like this, but there is no telling who will hate you because of me. Stay with it. That's what's required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. Thanks for that, Jesus. I, I, I can use that. Because eventually, the only thing that's going to be left is the under-the-authority-of-Scripture Christianity, the, the filled-with-the-Holy-Spirit, trusting-solely-in-Jesus Christianity. He who endures to the end will be saved. Hmm. Christ-following people are going to be given by the Lord the strength to endure what's ahead. And I have to say, you know... Um, and I give those examples about what's going on in the sporting world. I don't believe that coaches and adults should press their beliefs on children or on, on students. And I admire the coaches that I know because they, they do such a great job with their character. And what the constraints that they're given in, uh, in our political environment of what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do, they do a great job at it. But the culture is changing. And soon... Um, The things that even the students do are going to be frowned upon, I think. I really believe that. He who endures to the end, though, shall be saved. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. I love that translation. So the the signs of the times we've gotten so far is religious deception. I think you've probably seen that. Escalating wars, increased human suffering. It's on TV every day. Believers forced to identify themselves. There's not going to be any more secret followers eventually. And betrayal by former believers. I mean, consider right now the animosity in our country towards you know anybody who stands up against the cascading immorality that's growing around us i mean you can you can parade you can parade perversity in the streets and be protected by public taxpayer pla- paid for police but if you stand against that you will be attacked <laughs> and you will have labels put upon you and if you signal that you're not okay with that kinds of things, it, it, and that's the world that we live in right now. That is just the world we live in. But, but, but Christ's following people are going to be given, by the Lord, strength to endure what's ahead. Signs of the Times, last one for today. Um, number five, the gospel preached to every nation. Um, verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. So you might ask, how's that going? How are we doing on that? I mean, can we... Can we slide a little bit? Do we have a little bit of time? Because there's probably some more nations that haven't got the preach yet. So, I mean, okay, so so what's what's being say, said here is this command to preach actually was given decades before um, the gospel ever appeared in the written form. At that point, it was only being shared verbally. Um, the word there preached, keruso, there are a couple of translations that say published, but it's literally mean heralded as a town crier. It's, it's being shouted out. It's like what I'm doing now, okay? Um, and so I want to, First, clarify that the apostles did not understand that scripture to mean written down. Okay? So, when the gospel is shared or preached, is what they're thinking. And when you, when you look at our progress, you might kind of get a look at that and say, well, maybe we're falling behind and um, you know, we're kind of getting ahead, but that's not actually accurate according to what scripture says. Okay? I mean, I, I understand that word nations. It actually is ethnos, it means ethnicity, it, it has nothing to do with geopolitical boundaries. Okay? And um, I want to just say this. The gospel has been preached already to the ends of the earth. It's already accomplished. Paul said that in Colossians 1.23. You can look it up. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have missions. We should. We should do that. We need to keep doing that kind of thing. But I'm just saying what God has already said in Colossians 1.23. Um, he's basically saying that, uh, and it's the same word in that passage, Caruso preached. Under, in that context, it says, under all the heavens and there's another reference in Titus 2:11 I won't go there now uh, but it confirms it as well. I'm just saying as it relates to this prophecy in Mark 13:10 in, in terms of prophetic, prophetic fulfillment there's nothing missing here. We're not waiting for something else to happen so we can check that off the list. It's you know there's no further action necessary for that you know to satisfy what's prophesied there. So I think if we want to parse that particular phrase down and say well and, and, and somehow come up with a solution that makes us think well we got a little time left um, because we haven't preached it to every person and here's 14 company or co- countries and they don't have a bible in their language I think you might want to rethink that strategy because that uh, we're not it, it's just not wise so I, I, I'm, in wrapping this up I just want to stop for now and remind you come back next week because we're going to get to the more promising part of this list and I knew it would take more than one day um, I, I'm going to say, say this though these signs of the times just the ones that we've talked about right here right now are um, it is so much to all of us today that these are good days for you and me to be right with God these are good days for you and me to be right with each other you know if there's somebody That you need to call to make things right in your life do it do it if 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 there's a forgiveness that you need to seek if there is a sin that you need to shun if there's um some matter that you need to settle some with somebody somewhere i would say do it today this date what's the date today January 3rd. Do it on January 3rd. Don't let January 4th come without dealing with those kinds of things. It's more important than a Seahawks game and you can record it and watch it tomorrow. <laughs> I know you're going to be madder at me about that <laughs> Then bringing up that other... Okay, so... Uh, I'm not done with Christmas. I want to mention one more time about Christmas. Back to the Christmas story where the angel said, Peace on earth. When those angels said that, tossed that concept out there, peace on earth, they, it wasn't some sort of a tease. It wasn't some sort of a pie in the sky, it'll never happen kind of a thing. It's, it, was a, it was a true, viable reality for you and me to live, on, live in today in your hopes and your dreams and your, your desires. It, it was, it's a viable thing. The thing is that true peace from the prince of peace will only come when you find peace with god when you find peace with god through jesus christ if you haven't make peace with god make peace with god today and the way that you the way that you make peace with god is that you accept the gift of his son jesus christ who paid a price to bring you peace and you open your heart to the gift of Christ, who died on Calvary's tree, for your sin and for mine. Um, I'm going to call an audible, make a change. Is that all right? I hope it's okay, because I feel, in light of um, where we've been today, we're going to do communion, and I'd like to call for the communion elements to come. Are you? Is it too soon, or I guess it's, I guess they're ready. Um, do one song, and then let's do communion. Can we do that? Pick one. <laughs> He's got several ready.
1: You know, um, it's, we're going to do one song while we're waiting for the elements. I don't want to just do one song. I want to worship. Hebrews 6, we were in it in our devotions this morning. John brought it up, and, and um, it was ironic, but it was about Jesus Christ going back behind the veil, our priest forever, the order of Melchizedek. He, he is our priest and he's gone behind the veil as an anchor for our soul that we can have hope and we cling to that anchor. And that's what this song is about because in the midst of all the heaviness and the truth that, that we hear we have an anchor we have a hope And that's what we're going to sing now. Let's declare it.